Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. Okay, we are back. Welcome back. This is Tim and Julie Harris. This is Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. I have a radio show today prepared for you guys that I think you're really going to benefit from. It is about mega teams. It's about teams, whether you should be building a team, what's the deal with teams. And, uh, you know, we're going to have, I think, what a lot of you will perceive to be a counterintuitive opinion on the whole idea of having teams. Now, our opinion on teams comes from having had a team, having coached literally hundreds of the top-producing team rainmakers around the country, many of the names you've heard of, many of the names you've heard of that, frankly, I think you'll be surprised when I share with you, and Julie shares with you, and Julie, you are on the air with me, yes? I am indeed. Okay, good. So when you hear our counterintuitive opinion of teams, I think a lot of ways you're going to feel, I think, a lot less pressure to build a team. To be honest with you, a lot of agents are spending a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of emotion, and a lot of money trying to build these mythical real estate teams because they think that's what they have to do to be successful. And uh, you know what? It is and it can be a successful business model depending on your market, depending on you as an individual, depending on your tolerance for, frankly, <laughs> I have tolerance for BS. That's what I wanted to say, so I'm just going to say it. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that, and we're going to talk about that during the radio show today, and we're going to be getting into a lot of the meat and potato about what really matters and, frankly, where you can be focusing your energies to get the best bang for the buck. Now, before I get into that, and before Julie and I go to our notes that we prepared talking about teams, Julie, do you have, maybe you have a team-related story from one of your coaching clients or from one of the free coaching calls we've been providing lately? Anything you can share with our listeners? Well, let me sort of summarize a conglomeration of the typical team story, which is is not unusual for one of my team uh, agents to come to the call and say, oh my gosh, my buyer agents are whining and complaining there's not enough leads. And in the same call, they talk about, you know, I'm trying out this paid lead source to keep my buyer agents happy. And then, you know, as a coach, I always ask them, how much time are you spending training them on how to convert a lead in the first place, right? So I think agents get really excited, and it sounds like a whole lot of fun to be able to delegate absolutely everything that you don't want to do, don't feel like doing, don't think you should be doing. But the issue that comes up time and time again, and I'm sure we'll get into this on the call, is that agents hire before they actually know how to do stuff at a seriously high level. It would be like having the CEO of Choose Your Company, let's say Wendy's, you know, being the CEO without ever even having a cheeseburger or a hamburger, much less knowing how to assemble one in, you know, exact quick succession the same way every single time. So, you know, we spend a lot of time recalibrating this team thought, and, you know, that we do hear a lot of the same stuff on our calls. So that's what came to mind when you asked me that. That's right. And everyone gets to play a game with me. Every time Julie says you know on the call today, she has to pay everyone mm-hmm. a dollar. Uh-huh. We'll see. <laughs> All right, good. double for so, you. 
That's right. Well, I don't say you know. I have other little annoying we'll tendencies when we're on the radio show, <laughs> listening right. to them in replay. So, guys, if you want to participate in today's radio show, you're, the way you can do it is quite easily. Just call in and let me give the phone number. Oh, uh, where's the phone number? It is 347-85. You know what? I'm just going to make it easy on you. Everyone, this is a quick call-in information, quick 35-second commercial. I'll give you all the information right there. And then Julie and I are going to jump right into the material we've prepared for you. You're listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Are you ready to ask Tim and Julie your toughest real estate sales, business, or lead generation question? Call us now at 347-857-1195 or email your question to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. Now, back to Tim and Julie Harris. You know, Julie, that commercial reminds me actually of um, a lot of the emails I've been getting from agents lately have been, especially students, have been asking me to compare this lead generation company to that lead generation company and, you know, does you know, Zillow better than Trulia or is Trulia better, you know, whatever, right? So all these guys are asking me the same questions. And to my reaction, it's always, why are you buying buyer leads? <laughs> why are you even considering buying buyer leads? Now, is that a universal statement? No. In some markets with some agents, buying buyer leads might be really, really smart. It just depends. It's not, there's not one set answer for every single agent. But I will say, for the vast majority of you, buying buyer leads is crazy. The, I had a great free coaching call with a gentleman earlier from Washington. I won't use his name in case he's listening. And he's been in the business, Julie, for 12 years. And really the buying buyer leads fad, I think, really started I, in probably 2007. But you could buy buyer leads from Realtor.com going all the way back to the 90s. And he has been a occasional listing agent, but primarily a buyer's agent, and he's been buying buyer leads. And the, and the frustration that he has, the reason he was talking with me, is because he wants to finally learn how to be a listing agent because he realized the buying of buyer leads is an absolute futile business plan. In other words, it is not a business plan that is going to work long term. And here's what he and I, and frankly at this point dozens of other agents have been telling me, Buying buyer leads doesn't work because of the fact that the buyer leads themselves are becoming diluted. You're calling that same lead back that you've just paid money for through your monthly subscription to ABC online lead generation real estate portal website, whatnot, and it's the same lead that's going to literally maybe even a dozen other agents because that same lead has also gone to a dozen other uh, you know, real estate portals the Trillias, the Zillows, but there's not just, those are the big guys, and Realtor.com, of course. And now there's literally dozens of other sites that are in the business of trying to capture those buyer leads, packaging them, and selling them back to you guys. Again, some people it makes sense, and we'd have to talk with you on an individual basis to make sure that it made sense for you if that's something you're considering doing. So I can't just say buying buyer leads is bad for everyone but it's not, because it's not, but some of you, it is horrible. Because what happens is the buyer leads, they start becoming diluted. The quality of the buyer leads goes down. The cost, because now all these companies are doing so much more marketing directly to consumers this year, they're going to be creating more buyer leads to sell. More buyer leads means that hypothetically it's not going to drive the price down for buyer leads. It's going to drive the price up because that brand awareness is also going to have its impact on agents. 
Agents are then going to assume, well, I need to be buying buyer leads from ABC company. There is no ABC company, by the way. I'm just using that as an example. Um, and then you're not only going to be getting diluted buyer leads, but you're going to be paying more for them. And how many of you are going to pay month in and month out for these buyer agents to be a double diamond premier agent, whatever it is? How many of you are going to do that month after month after month before you realize that I have not had any closed transactions from all these buyer leads that I've been buying? Why, have I not, why am I not making any money? Why is the only thing, the only balance that's increasing is the unpaid balance on my credit card from all these buying buyer lead sources? And you guys, what's amazing to me is so many of you are coming to us having not just signed up with one buyer and buyer lead company, but three or four. You're spending in many cases 500 1000 I had somebody last week, I know Julie did too, they're spending nearly $2,000 a month on these paid buyer lead. And you know what she told me? She said, and I don't even like working with buyers. So why right. are you doing it? Because they called well, me and, and said if I did it, with a somebody else was going to get my territory. Yeah, exactly. I mean, anyway, that isn't the topic of today's call. The topic of today's call is, Miss Julie? topic of today's call is all about teams, mega teams. Should you have a team? Shouldn't you have a team? The good, the bad, and the ugly team. That's right. Okay, so let's just jump right in. So with regards to teams, here's some facts. And Julie and I are going to kind of blaze through these points. And again, especially if you're a Keller Williams agent, a lot of these points in some cases are going to seem not just counterintuitive, but they also might seem, they also frankly, depending on how, how much of a true believer you are, you might even find what we're about to say offensive. That's the truth. I've had people, when I tell them the fallacies of the team model, when I have them on a free coaching call and I actually get them to try to question their paradigms about being part of a team, owning a team, building a team, they get pissed off at me because they don't like being told something that is counter to what they already believe. You know, we're not a coaching company for every single agent. Let's just be clear about that. We're not. Um, and we tell people that. And if you're looking to go build your business in a direction that we know won't work because we've been doing this for long enough, we're going to tell you, and then we're even going to refer you off to be uh, a coaching client maybe of another company if that's what is the best fit for you. We do that because we know what works. We know what, frankly, we're the best at helping agents do. And if you're going down the mindset of, I need to build a big team, guess what? Probably we're not the coaching business for you. And, I'm, and on this call, we're going to tell you why. And on this call, it's your job, on this radio show, it's your job to open your mind to what we're saying, set aside your preconceived notions, set aside your bias, because a lot of you have that, set aside your skepticism, and just listen to what we have to say. And if you still disagree, then you can basically discount this radio show. Or... If you want to have the conversation go to the next level and speak to one of our coaches directly, just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. All right, so here's some thoughts that Julie and I wrote down. The richest agents, and we'll define what rich is in a second, the richest agents are not those who have become dependent on their, for their, on their team for success. Okay, the richest agents in the country – Rich is defined as, everyone remember this from Bill Cosby, <laughs> right? And he's rich. Rich is when your money is working for you and you're no longer having to work for money. No, a team, even if a team's making you passive, what you perceive to be passive profit, that's not the same thing. It's not. What you do with the profits from your real estate practice is what makes you rich. 
Your real estate practice doesn't make you rich. It's what you do with the profits from your real estate practice, how you reinvest those profits in something other than your own practice. You well, guys Tim, remember, let me jump in with this because this is a huge point. Profit, right? Here's the thing. A lot of these teams just push money through. It comes in one hand, leaves the other hand. And, you know, their gross commission, there's my you know, so I'll stop that. Their gross commission looks great, but what's the net? We're talking about actual, honest-to-goodness profit, the money you keep and are able to do something with. Okay, now this is the potentially offensive part. Why is it that some brokerages and a big brand, why is it they're such advocates of teaching agents to build teams? You guys know the answer already. It's because it's what's best for the big brand. Very rarely is it what's best for the agent. The hardest thing, and brokers and office managers and team leaders, you guys know what I'm about to say is true, the hardest thing in being a broker is recruiting and retention. It sucks. It's an egregious job. Having to get agents to go to your brokerage and then getting them to stay, then you worry about getting them to be productive. The body shop model, guys, recruiting agents into your office is the challenge of any real estate brokerage. That is a fact. So if I, as a brand, as a big, huge real estate company, can somehow trick you guys into helping me add agents to my brokerages, that's a huge win, isn't it? Now, I know the more diluted you have, more people you have in your team, the lower cap you'll have, and all those types of things if you're a Keller Williams agent. And I know on the surface the numbers make sense or you think they make sense. I remember when Julie and I were building our team and we were a 3 max, you know, you got a discounted fee. I think in the day it was $400 for every buyer agent that you added. But that money did, did go to the brand. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with the brands. Uh, advocating teams. If Julie and I owned a huge real estate brand, I promise you we would probably be really tempted to tell you guys to focus on building your teams because of the fact that we would then be representing the shareholders of our big real estate brand. But Julie and I and Harris Real Estate University and all of our coaches, we are an agent-centric coaching company, which means we don't put the broker first. Sorry, brokers. We don't put the brand first. You know, a lot of you enroll with us versus your own company's in-house coaching because the coaching that's being promoted to you is, generally speaking, something that the broker wants you to participate in because it benefits the broker. Now, again, this is offensive to a lot of people when I say this, but it is absolutely true. And I want brokers and office managers, you guys have, maybe without thinking about it, you are absolutely continuing the body shop real estate brokerage model. And that, again, is where you basically have a bunch of realtors come into your office, you soak them for their leads, and they fail after 24 months. That is typically what happens in the real estate model. Agents don't stick around because they're never actually taught to be productive on an individual basis. Teaching agents who are low-skilled or no-skill that teams are the way they become successful is doing nothing other than promoting their path to future failure. That is nuts. The way you make a strong real estate brokerage, and I know bro brokerages out there who have advocated this, is you have a really well-skilled agent. That's how you build your brand from the agent's success, and then you're part, you have a partnership with that agent to build on their business and their business first and the broker's business and the broker's motivation second. You don't have a strong company 
unless you have strong individual agents. Prove to me that I'm wrong. Show me a brokerage that's successful where they have just a bunch of low-skilled agents. But that is the traditional model. If you have enough low-skilled agents, the sheer accidental volume that those low-skilled agents tumble into can make the ends meet. That's been the traditional model. That's the reason you see these brokerages with thousands of agents, because they know over time enough of those agents will stumble into deals, then enough of those agents are on you know, basically commission splits that make sense for the broker, that over time that you know, profit will hopefully keep the lights on. But going forward, the true business model, I don't believe for most agents is a mega team model, and nor do we believe that that is something that any real estate broker uh, or brand should be advocating because the economics of it don't make sense. So, Julie, let's get to the heart of the, the heart of the matter. You got it. So, again, richest agents are not those who are dependent on their team's success. They're the ones who are dependent on their own skills. So, why? Do, what is the deal with teams? Well, let's jump to the problems with big teams. First, remember, low-skilled agents actually think that they can compensate for their lack of skills by simply hiring people who do the things that they can't or won't or don't think they should be doing. So the big myth is that you can delegate it all and then all you have to do is manage your people. So we can circle the wagons back to that in a second. Other problems with big teams, well, guess what? They build huge staff. Huge staff requires fixed costs. You know, I always I joke about assistants, right? They want to be paid day in and day out, month in and month out, week in and week out, whether you have a big month or not. So fixed costs, both in terms of potential salary, but also additional rent, utilities. You've got to keep these people somewhere. You've got to have buyer agents that are actually getting and closing leads, and that leads to, Tim, your favorite topic, buying leads for your buyer's agents who ultimately you'll end up having a big split with, and that leads to not knowing your cost per transaction, and then wondering how it is that you can be cranking these deals if you're cranking the deals at all, because you know, you're running a big machine here. But assuming that you're cranking those deals out, what are you left with at the end of the month after your splits with your agents, your additional utility bills, your paid buyer lead sources, all of your fees to your company, et cetera, et cetera. So what ends up happening is, the agents are surprised that the team doesn't just run itself and bring in all of that money and end up keeping all the money. It ends up being sort of a, a man-eating thing at the end of the day. Using our system, the system that we coach you guys to follow, I'll just, I'm going to pick an example out of the air, okay? So let's say that you're, you and, and again, we're going to tell you how to add staff. We're going to tell you which order to do it and all that good stuff. But let's say you gross your real estate team or your, uh, you know what, you guys should all be either sub S's or LLC's. So your business grosses $300,000 in commission. Let's just focus on that. Using our model, you will put in your pocket before taxes probably around 200, maybe 250,000, let's just say realistically right around $235,000. All right, there's a fact. Pay attention, please, please, please pay attention. So you will, before taxes, put in, let's say, $235,000 in your pocket, earning $300,000. Some of you, $300,000 is a decent month. I get it, but just stay with me for this example, and you guys can scale the numbers however you'd like. If you decide that you want to be a team, all the numbers are the same, and let's say 
to earn the same $235,000 to you, follow me here, guys, you'd have to earn realistically around a million dollars following most of the team models that you see being advocated so aggressively right now. I'm going to say that again. And that's again. if you manage your money and you know what your costs are and you actually watch this type of thing. That's if you're really tuned in. So what I'm telling you is following most you know, top-level teams, the rainmaker is going to be lucky to make around 20% before tax profit. Now, so here's the funny thing. You guys are going to events. You're hearing these you know, big team leaders talk. And you hear them talk about their numbers, and you notice they always say the same thing. Now, here's what really happens. You're going to get a real honest person who's, not, who's a true seasoned veteran, a real grizzled veteran. You're going to ask him, all right, so if I do a million dollars, and this is just between you and him, nobody else listening in, so he doesn't have to impress anybody, or her for that matter, if I gross a million dollars, I'm thinking of Pat Hyben right now as I use this example, okay? Pat Hyben, as some of you guys know, is a huge KW agent. And they are doing, I think they were doing 600, 700 units per year. And he had teams in two different locations. I don't know how many employees he had, but he had, I think it was like 40 or 50. If there was somebody who rode that horse into the sunset, the team horse, it was Pat. And he did it perfectly. Now, he was in the Maryland area, and his average sale price was five dollars to $600,000, so the numbers worked for him. But on two or three separate occasions, asking him, when, you know, based on that model, given the fixed cost, given the lead, all the stuff that Julie just mentioned, how much money is he personally pulling out of the company? He said around 20% before taxes. Now, that's a company that was earning millions of dollars, his two teams selling average sale price stuff for five or six hundred thousand. So twenty percent was a good number for Pat. And so there, arguably, that made sense. But then I got to think I got to thinking. I said, you know, so if you're basic if you're earning, you know, let's say four million or five million dollars and you're making a million dollars profit off that, if it was just you and a few assistants, you know, I didn't ask them this, but I will next time I interview them. If it was just you and a few assistants how much less stress would it have and how much less time would it take for you to build a business where it was you just focusing on listings, following a model like the one that Julie and I coach our agents to do, for you to make a million dollars and not have to worry about the team, not have to worry about the fixed costs. And you know the reality of it is, is it would require less time, less effort. He wouldn't have to play the, you know, I'm the manager, I'm the business manager, I'm the sales manager, I have to hire all these people, manage all these people. I have to worry about this bill and that bill, or I have to manage the CFO and my business is managing all these things. He wouldn't have to think about all those things because he could just focus on what was going to put money in his pocket the fastest. He could be in control of it. And when the market slowed down, which it did for Pat, he wouldn't have to lay off a bunch of people, which he had to do. Pretty much every single mega team out there, when the real estate market turned sour, they all had to lay off people. Many of them went into bankruptcy. That's something else nobody tells you, right? Has you, have you heard anyone telling you that? Because the fixed costs were too high. And that's ultimately the bad news about this team model. It's not sustainable. It's not, you guys aren't pr- probably most of you familiar with the idea of scalability. It's not scalable. Because as the transactions increase, you have to increase your fixed costs. And in doing so, if your transactions decrease, your fixed costs stay the same. Is everybody paying attention? 
Well, assuming your goal. Well, it's not just the money. It's not just the money. Think about the time. You said Pat was doing between five and 600 deals. At 500 deals. I think he was deals, actually doing more. His teams were okay, doing well, like but, 700, but listen, I think. And let's just be conservative. At 500 transactions, that's over 10 closings per week. So the myth of just having your team run itself, how many inspection problems do you think he's having to deal with and managing all those people and transaction coordinators and all of the co-op agents and all of the issues that everyone knows happens on transactions? It's the money. It's also the time and the stress. Yes, exactly. So, guys, putting all this in perspective, opening your minds to maybe you putting on your skeptic's hat and then thinking through some of the things you've been said and asking yourself, is that really the right diet of information you should be consuming to get you to the ultimate outcome of being rich? Remember, rich is when your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. So back to the whole team thing. I touched on this a second ago. We want to tell you guys about hiring staff. But again, most expenses that you guys incur as team, as running a team or the things that, again, people don't tell you is most agents don't know their cost per lead. They don't know their cost per buyer lead. Agents don't know their cost per transaction. And would it be better off just to refer off the leads? Now, we're going to touch on that. That's another thing is very controversial. Let's say, for example, you guys listen to us. You sign up with us. We teach you how to be listing agents. You start being kicked about listing agents. You start realizing that, oh, my God, Tim and Julia are right. I'll never go back to have, being buyer dependent. That is the path that hopefully all of you are on. Now, you start generating droves and droves of buyer leads because the way you generate buyer leads is learning how to be a listing agent. You have one, two, or 20 listings or 200 listings as some of our students do. You have to beat the buyer leads off with a stick. Okay? So those buyer leads, a lot of you are thinking, okay, Tim, I have to hire buyer agents. No, you don't. And matter of fact, it is absolutely positively the wrong thing for you to, do to hire buyer agents. So I'm going to give you a for example. In your marketplace, I remember when Julie and I were selling real estate, there were two great agents in our office, Barb Flager and Yvonne Honeybrink. Remember, Julie? Mm-hmm. I do. And those gals were phenomenal buyer agents. They were better buyer agents than you could ever possibly imagine. Lovely, wonderful, caring, considerate, just brilliant, brilliant Very gals. professional. Great great buyer agents. So in your marketplace, there are agents like that who are very professional, who are really brilliant at being buyer agents, who have no aspirations of being uh, listing agents, right? You know who they are. You might be that person right now. So if you were to refer your buyer agent off to a Yvonne or a Barb and you were to charge them 30%, they'd probably accept it. I mean, that's the average going rate for most referrals nowadays. Oh, Tim, hold on. No, 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 no. I don't want to lose that relationship with that buyer because when they go to sell, I want to get the listing. I don't disagree with you. So here's the deal you work out with the buyer agent that you're referring leads off to. This is an independent agent who focuses on buyers that you're then going to refer buyer leads off to. Not all, but some buyer leads off to. You then have an agreement that when that buyer goes into contract with the other agent, that your in-house staff is going to close the transaction. That way, guys, the relationship starts with your team or your business, And then it goes to the other agent to work that buyer lead, and then it ends with you guys, and you guys handle the closing or the escrow, whatever you want to call it. You understand? And then after that closing happens, you then put them into the system where you're going to follow up with them, and you're going to cultivate them for future business. In the middle of that transaction is is another agent that you've essentially hired to perform the service. And at the end result, though, who will the seller remember? They're going to remember you. 
they're going to remember the person they're getting the you know the, the, the information from about next time you want to do a, a real estate transaction. They're going to have the relationship, and you're going to have the relationship with them. And remember, the other agent, the buyer's agent, the person who loves working with buyers, he or she's not focused on listings anyway because they're focused on buyers. See, the buyers is like a hamster wheel. Because it's 30 days money and because it's relatively low skill, it's very difficult to get off that hamster wheel. It is easy to get a buyer to work for you, work with you for the most part, provided they have decent motivation. It's more difficult to learn how to be a listing agent. So chances are that buyer agent that you sent that buyer lead to, they're not going to be in the mo- be in the business of listing houses when that buyer who now is a seller decides to put their house for sale. So they're going to list it with you. Do you understand? So don't use the I'm going to lose the relationship as rationalization for not referring that buyer lead off. Julie, I think that really will solve a lot of stress for a lot of agents who think they have to build their buyer staff. That's right. And in fact, I often hear that the relationship is better and more appreciated by the agent who you're charging a 30% referral fee to. And, okay, so, they, you know, they have less if, of a sense of there's, you know, that, that there's a big hamster wheel of the never-ending lead sources when you have several agents that you're splitting those up to. They're actually more appreciative and follow up better. So you can have three, four, five different agents, hopefully all with inside your brokerage, that you're consistently referring these leads off to. You can basically even make it so it's the round robin thing. You send an email out to all five of them, whichever one follows up the quickest gets the lead, and then they pay you 30% when that lead closes. Now, we want you to be big listing agents. We will teach you how to be big listing agents. That is our job. That is what we focus on. But we still want you to have, at all times, three AAA buyers. Three AAA ready to go, relocation, got to buy, seller that's moving up, price ranges where the numbers just are wonderful. You guys know what I'm talking about. Those are the leads that you keep. Yes, big team leader with 200 listings. You have to have three AAA motivated buyers at all times. It keeps you frosty. You'll know when the trends change. You'll know what the buyers are thinking, and that makes you better at your job working with sellers. Being a listing agent, you do have this sort of cave mentality You have a tendency when you have a lot of listings just to kind of be focusing on your own little world and having those three AAA buyers at all times keeps you frosty. It keeps you really focused on really what the trends are. Like, you know, maybe now quartz countertops are going to be replaced with granite countertops as far as being trendy and what buyers are looking for. You might get news about one neighborhood being surpassed by another neighborhood in terms of desirability. All those types of things happen when you're working with buyers. And then when you go to list a house, You'll be able to say, I was just working with a relocating executive from ABC Corporation. And these are what their preferences were. This is different how, is it, how their preferences may have been a year ago. That is good information that you can't just get from the MLS. Does that make sense, Julie? Absolutely, it does. All right, so let's talk about specifically building your staff and building your team. How should you do it and in which order should you do it? So building your staff and building your team, who to add first? Well, most people are tempted to add the buyer agents first, but in fact, you need to be adding a transaction coordinator specifically after you have closed four transactions per month, not just once, not just now and then, but for three consecutive months or 90 days of consistent production. Then you add a transaction coordinator. That's it. Say it again, Julie. What's the rule? After four transactions per month for three months in a row. doesn't matter what time of year it is. You do it for 90 days straight. To us as coaches, that means that you have consistent momentum and that you know how to produce 
monthly, not just you have a great month followed by a lean month followed by ramping it up again and two months later you're okay again. Why? Because that transaction coordinator is going to want to be paid every single month and you've got expenses that go with that, perhaps utilities, phone bills, etc. You've got to do it for three months in a row, four transactions per month. That's right. So guys, we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back. Is coaching right for you? And how can I guarantee it will work for me? Chances are you are asking yourself those questions right now. I'll answer those critical questions for you in just a moment. But first, let's be honest about something you may have always suspected. You've probably always known that the nation's top 1% of realtors, you know, those millionaire agents you see on TV, they possess a secret knowledge that the other 99% of agents do not have. Where did they learn what they know? And more importantly, how did they learn how to put this closely guarded information into money-making action? It's simple. They have a coach. Not just any coach. The nation's mega millions, top 1% of the realtors know that in order to maintain their almost unfair advantage, that they must have their own personal coach, a proven market-tested coach who has truly walked in their shoes, a coach who has worked with many of the nation's leading agents. At this point, you're probably ready to maybe try coaching. However, you don't want to be unfairly locked into a long-term ball and chain that coaching contracts can give you. It just makes sense that you should be able to try it before you buy it. Even more importantly, you want to have a coach who is the best of the best not someone who is simply assigned to you, or even worse, has never sold real estate. Can you imagine? If this is you, I have something for you right now that is exactly what you have been looking for. For the next 48 hours, Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching is offering you a free coaching call. This is a real coaching call with a real Tim and Julie Harris coach. Now, while you are thinking about it, why don't you visit us online? at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to get started. Once again, that is freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Now, let's be clear. This exclusive coaching opportunity is only available for the first 50 realtors who are stone-cold serious about their real estate business and know that in order to succeed at the highest level, they must hire a coach. So don't wait any longer. Take action now and visit us again at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to schedule your free coaching call. Again, that's freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Thanks so much. See you all soon. Okay, we are back. So, guys, focusing here on what we've asked you to consider. We've asked you to consider to think of yourselves as business people and as a business person, your goal is to drive profit to you. It's very simple. Your goal is to make a profit. It is, yes, you know, your product is a profit. If you owned a pie business, your product would be great pies and a profit. But as a real estate business, since you're not, absolutely, you're not actually producing a tangible product, you're providing a service, the way we essentially gauge your success as a business owner is if you're pulling a profit out of the business. And with that profit, and this is an agent-centric 
philosophy that we have at our coaching business that if you guys or when you guys decide to join us, you will have it as well. Your goal then is to take that profit that you earn from your individual real estate transactions. It will start at 10% a transaction. Then it will move up to 50% uh, a transaction. That money then gets saved, and then we give you ideas on how to reinvest it. You will reinvest it in real estate. You will reinvest it in different stocks. You will reinvest it in you know, fully investing your kids' 529 college savings plans, which, by the way, in most states, those are sweet deals. So you're going to go into your real estate practice every single day with a very clear vision of what you're supposed to be doing. Take listings, get the listings sold, pull the profit out, save the money, reinvest the money. You do not want to have to be in the position of doing real estate transactions for your entire life and become dependent on it, i.e. buyer leads and buying buyer leads. You want to get to the point where you want to do transactions, but your house is paid off, your car is paid off, your rental properties are paid off, your 401 is fully vested, your 529 funds for your kids' college tuition is fully vested. A lot of you don't even think like that. You've just accepted the fact that you have to put up with mediocrity, and you, have to, and you started to believe that in order for you to be successful, you have to build a team. Please be clear. Teams do work in some situations with some practitioners. Some of you guys are really brilliant at building and maintaining a team. One of the top agents in Houston is a friend of mine, and he absolutely positively is brilliant at building a team. But for a vast majority of you, it's not your highest and best use of your time. Your highest and best use of your time is learning how to be the world's best listing agent and dominate your market and absolutely positively build massive wealth to yourself from selling houses that you have listed or listing houses and have all those buyer agents who run around on the holidays and on the weekends, on the evenings and early in the morning, have them sell the houses for you. That's how you build true long-term success. You, we are giving you practical advice. Nothing that we'll ever say to you is going to be something that it's all of a sudden going to make you realize that the earth isn't flat. Everything that we tell you intuitively, you already know. Intuitively, you've already, always and already suspected, but now it's going to be up to you to actually trust yourself and your own intuition and take action on it and stop believing some of the Mickey Mouse BS, you know, self-serving garbage that's being sold to agents. Listen to our past radio shows. We do the best job we can living up to our promise of being an agent-centric coaching company, of giving you guys the information that you need to build wealth for yourselves. So, Julie, as we wrap up, anything else come to mind? The thing that comes to mind is think before you hire. Think before you add costs. Lead with revenue, not with expense. That's, my That's it. I love it. All right, so we will talk to you on the radio tomorrow. See you then. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>